everyone. Helping Parents Heal assists bereaved parents in very significant ways. It provides personal and specialized support, tips and tools for finding hope for those parents whose children have passed. It offers much needed peer support, which aids in the healing process, going a step beyond other groups because it supports the open discussion of spiritual experiences and evidence for the afterlife in a non-dogmatic way. Everyone is welcome, regardless of religious or non-religious background, allowing for open dialogues for those to wish, who wish to share their personal afterlife communications. I'm truly both delighted and honored to have been asked to introduce some of the enlightened presenters who are at this conference. These insights provide uplifting interviews comprising a special new series on grief and rebirth podcast that will illumine the wondrous healing work of helping parents heal. The organization's sole mission is to help other parents who have also lost their precious children, ensuring them that they need not walk alone through their profound grief. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Our next inspiring interview in this series is with Lisa Wilcoxon, who is a spiritual evidential medium, a psychic, a mystic, and a mentor. As a tested and certified medium who is a recommended provider for helping parents heal, Lisa is renowned for delivering detailed evidence and stunning connection in readings. She compassionately provides undeniable proof that the bonds of love are unbreakable, there is no death, and our lives are forever intertwined. With both of her children in spirit, Lisa has overcome great personal trauma. Her mindful and inspirational guidance and connection have helped bereaved people across the globe. And she also dedicates much of her time to helping parents heal as an affiliate leader for two groups, one dedicated to parents with special needs children who have crossed and one for parents who have lost their only child. I'm looking forward to talking to Lisa, who is facilitating two events in addition to conducting private readings during the Helping Parents Heal conference about her spiritual awakening after her son Anthony transitioned, how she connects with our deceased loved ones, miraculous validations of the afterlife she has received and more for what is surely going to be a touching, informative, and illuminating interview. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Irene. Thank you so very much. What an honor it is to be here. It is my pleasure. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank I know you. this is going to be a marvelous conversation. Thank you. So let's start with this question because you have such an interesting life and you have such an amazing journey that brought you to where you are today. So let's start with your experiences. Let's start with when you were a kid your experiences connecting with spirit when you were a child, including a message you received that said, you are not ready yet, we will return. You know, How old were you when that happened? I was 13 years old. It was very interesting. I believe it was eighth grade. And I was in bed, and suddenly 
there were four spirits up in the top of the corner of my room and I could see them. There were two men and two women and they were dressed in somewhat of an 1800s era clothing. The women had beautiful velvet hats, the men had derbies, and I could hear them talking to each other, but I could not hear them. And I just simply pulled the covers up over my head. They stayed for about 10 days, and on the 10th day, one of the men showed up. They stayed in your room? They stayed in my room every night. Every night they were there for about 10 days. I was certain I was just crazy. Truly, I thought, and you told I'm no just one. crazy. I told no one, I'm just crazy. Well, I was the basketball manager for the junior high basketball team. And we were in the gym, and one of them appeared, and then I was certain I was crazy. I ran into the locker room, and he said to me, you are not ready yet, we will be back. And I never saw them since, except for uh, my aunt has recently told me about two aunts that I had in history who were also in, in the spiritual realm of being able to deliver evidence. That's amazing. So your path was set, but you didn't know it yet. I had no idea. And they, they chose a really fascinating place to let you know. They did. And, and they through. did indeed. But that was evidential in and of itself that it was not my bedroom and woo-woo. And it was in plain sight in plain day. And they told me what they were doing. And then they disappeared. So the memory of that message, you're not ready yet, we will return. You kind of forgot about it. It faded I did. away. I did. And then now you get married. One night you're getting ready for bed. You come out of your closet and exclaim to your husband, I just saw my mom. I don't understand. There's no crying in heaven. Tell us what that was. Well, you know, about. actually, I need to back up with that. In the year 2000, uh, in 1988, my first son was born, Michael, and he was a beautiful baby. And at the age of one month, he got his first DPT shot, and he had a severely toxic reaction and immediately started having seizures. His seizures got so bad that we had to remove uh, the occipital lobe of his brain and do a corpus callosotomy separating the lobes of his brain. And for 12 years, that sweet boy just, he just had a very difficult life. He never walked, he never talked. And at the age of 12, he got aspiration pneumonia and he transcended. And at that time, I turned everything into my second son. He was my sun and my moon. And when he was 18, he too transcended and that was um, three days before that happened I was in my closet and that's when I saw my mother who died four months before my first son I was shocked to see her because not only because she was crying and I was still of the belief that heaven was harps and angels on clouds as Rumi says but that I saw her I don't know which shocked me more three days after seeing that I recalled having seen her in the closet when I got the call that Anthony was on the ventilator. And of course, he, he didn't survive that. What, can I ask you what took, what caused Anthony to he transition? He was a freshman in college. And you know it's interesting because his soul knew. 
His soul knew. When he was four years old, he told me, I looked in the back seat in the car seat, and he had big old crocodile tears running down his cheeks. I said, what's the matter, baby? He said, Mama, when I'm 18, I'm going to leave you, and I'm so sad. I'm going to miss you so much. I said, when you're 18, you'll be a big boy. It'll be okay. You go to college. And two months before he left his body. He told me, Mom, I drank a whole bottle of vodka and I thought I was going to die. I'm so afraid I'm going to die, Mom. Will you watch out for me? He was a freshman at Arizona State University. He went to a party. A synthetic drug was administered in his nose and he immediately had a heart attack and died. Somebody purposely put that drug in his yes. nose? Yes. Did any, were there any consequences? Um, the gentleman that did that served two years it's two years in jail for that, and that's that's been a challenge in my life. That must be a big challenge for you in the area of forgiveness. It is a it is a very big challenge in the area of forgiveness. Wow! Yes. Wow! 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 After Anthony passed, you had an amazing eye-opening experience at a grief retreat in a Dao Buddhist center, when you were awakened by a young girl dancing at the foot of your bed. Would you like to tell us about that? I would love to, but first I need to give you the preface to that. My husband had started a job in Sedona, Arizona, so at the time we had a home there. And I was in Sedona and I was angry. Sedona is one of the most beautiful spiritual places in the world, and I wanted no part of it because I felt as if God had dropped me in this beautiful place because the rug was about to be pulled up from under me. I lay in bed one night, and it was now, so painful. Now, was this after Anthony had After passed? Anthony had passed. I lay in bed one night, and it was so painful to me. I literally fragmented, and I heard a woman wailing, and I thought, who is that poor, pathetic woman? And then I started clawing myself out of my own skin. It hurt so bad. I had blood and skin under my fingernails, Irene, and my husband grabbed my arms. He said, Lisa, you have to stop. You have to stop. You have to get help and I said oh Rick I've just mutilated myself and the next morning oh I woke up and I had not a scratch on me and I still had blood and skin under my fingernails that was my first realization that there was something bigger truly there was something carrying me through this dark night of my soul wow now how much after that, how long after that did you go so, to that Buddhist so center? So that's when I found um, the wonderful Dr. Joanne Cacciatore, who is a internationally acclaimed child loss and grief specialist in Sedona. And she and I became very close. I went to a Tao Buddhist center there where she was having what she called Sela. I was in my room, and it's uh, there's literally nothing in there except for a chakra chart. I had no clue what a chakra was at this point. And I was waking up. I was in that liminal space um, went between sleep and awake, and suddenly a young girl appeared out of nowhere at the foot of my bed. I could see through her in opacity, and yet she had a beautiful ring of white flowers around her hair, white tutu, white tights. She appeared to be maybe eight years old, and she was just spinning and spinning and smiling at me. And then she vanished, and I thought, what in the world just happened? So we went into the retreat center. It was the last day and everyone was taking their children's pictures off of the off of the altar table. 
And I said, that's the little girl I saw. But in the picture, she was 15 years old and she was in a wheelchair. Oh my. And I thought, what do I do? Do I say something she to her mother? She came you could tell her mother that she And was I hadn't okay? met her mother. I had known her mother's story because there were about 60 women, but I hadn't met her mother. So we were all in a lunchroom getting ready to leave. And all of a sudden, literally like in a movie set, the entire lunchroom cleared out and only her and her mother and I were left. So I went and sat next to her and I just said, can I tell you something? I woke this morning and this beautiful little girl showed up at the foot of my bed. I described to her what I saw and I said, I know it was your daughter. And tears came to her eyes. She grabbed her iPad and she said, I haven't shown anyone that picture. And she scrolled through real fast. Her daughter was a Romanian. She had adopted her daughter from Romania. She explained to me that she loved to dance when she first got her before she became spastic and was in a wheelchair. And she said, look at this picture. And it was her at that age with a white tutu and white tights and a white ring of flowers around her hair. And I said, your daughter is dancing now. I saw her. She's perfect and she's dancing. Oh my God, what a beautiful story. It was it was truly a story for both of us. It was an awakening for both of us. And at that time, all the children started coming to me. So tell me about that. Like no matter where you were, you were starting to see deceased children? I, I, I will, I, mostly it was at the, at the grief retreats. I would be doing yoga and all of a sudden I had a little boy going <sighs> with a puppy dog mouth saying, horsey, horsey, horsey. And I thought, oh my gosh, who is this? He was a tiny little guy. And so we broke up, went to breakfast, came back, and the woman who had been doing yoga next to me was standing next to the, the um, grief facilitator, showing her a picture of her new horse. And I said, oh my gosh. And I asked her, did your son have a puppy dog mask? And she said, yes, it was his favorite toy. And right before I came here yesterday, the dog chewed the nose off it. I was so upset. And I what said, validation. he's here with you. He's here with you. He's happy. He's right at your feet. And the way I see the children all the time is no different than if they were in their physical bodies. The essence they show, what they, what they are able to communicate in so very few uh, images, words, whatever it is that I hear, whether it's clairvoyantly, clairaudiently, clairsentiently, it's just phenomenal. Can you explain how exactly you communicate with these deceased loved ones and these children? Is it clairsentience? Is it clairvoyance? Or they, you, they, you just get an image? How does that work? In the beginning, it was, it was clairvoyant and clairaudient. I would hear them and I would see them. At the point that I realized I was getting messages from children. I decided I wanted to learn more. I went through a couple of instructors until I found the world-renowned 
grand dame of mediumship, Mavis Patilla, who I've studied with for almost five years. Um, she's just, she and Jean Els are just very near and dear to my heart. And she took me and she stripped me of everything I knew and she taught me a better way to develop my clairs so that I can use them all fully and blend them for the divine God source and to be able to do this work. What a blessing. So now you're a certified medium and you also describe yourself as a mystic. So for all of us who need to know what do you do to become a certified medium and what is a mystic? Well, my certification was mainly through helping parents heal because they are an invaluable resource for bereaved parents. I went to a medium myself early on and I, it, was a, it was a far less than loving healing experience. In fact, it was very traumatizing. In what way? Um, I would prefer not to even say, but okay. the information she gave was not only incorrect, but she drew conclusions. She told me that my son Michael, who was in a wheelchair, who was the most sweet, innocent, saintly child there was, he never walked or spoke, he was like an infant for 12 years. She told me how he was sorry for all the terrible things that he did in his life, and he was sorry for, and it was just nothing resonated, and, and I could just tell, I could just feel that this was not my she child. Was like making the it up. information she gave me was harmful. And at that point, when I knew, because I had been seeing what the children gave to me, I thought, this just isn't right. There has to be ethics in mediumship. And of course, the children in spirit know my heart and know the hearts of those who truly they come to to work, to work on their behalf, because we're merely the channel to deliver the evidence, it's evidence-based so that we know that this is our child. And the evidence is typically something that's so specific and at the same time shoots that arrow through our heart that we just know, oh, that's my child. So that's how a person can identify when someone does not have integrity and mediumship. If it doesn't resonate. Your soul will know. Your soul will know. Yes, because there are charlatans in every You know, it's interesting field. you use that word because that's the word that I typically use for the person I was describing. However, I chose not to, to honor all people on their path. And yet that is truly how I felt at the time. Right. And tell us all about a mystic. What, what the, exactly does a what is the what does a mystic believe? What, what makes you call yourself a mystic? I can tell you the definition of a mystic in Lisa Wilcoxon's mind. The definition of a mystic is when you really become awakened and you start seeing the connection between all things and you start seeing the glory in sacred geometry, the glory in the Fibonacci spiral, the glory in, in the pyramids, in the... In, numerology in ancient times in all all that is it's so much more divine than any of us could have even imagined i call the time before my children crossed my innocence of illusion because that's when going along this life in this in this 3d plane was merely illusion and now that i've been broken open like the phoenix which is why my children told me to coin myself the phoenix medium not the phoenix medium but 
in representation of all those who have had broken hearts, who become awakened, is that there's just so much more. It's just truly such a gift and such joy. Wow, that's amazing. So we've heard a few of the evidence a few stories of the evidence you've received about the afterlife. Do you have any other really good stories that you can tell us about miraculous validations of the afterlife that you've received? Oh my gosh, there's just countless. Like a few of the billions that just countless. I'm just going to go to the one that was brought back to my mind yesterday because here at this conference, there's 900 attendees. I've been able to meet so many of my beautiful clients whose children have touched my life because with each validation I do, it's more validation for myself as well that my children are with me. And I was in the restroom, in fact, right next door here, and a woman walked in and introduced herself. I am the toothbrush. And I said, oh, I'm so happy to meet you. I did a reading for a woman in Hawaii, and she's a veterinarian. And as soon as the camera turned on, I said, I have to tell you, I typically do an introduction, which I'll get to. But the very first thing I need to tell you is I'm seeing rainbows all over you. And I'm seeing animals everywhere. And these animals, I feel such love to you, such incredible love. And she told me, I'm a veterinarian. I." sometimes have to euthanize animals. I just euthanized a cat who's in a refrigerator right next to me. And I was like, well, that cat just wants to thank you for your compassion and your care. So I began my introduction and I said, I'm trying to speak, but I have a young woman here who is just waving a toothbrush frantically. And she just braced herself and got big tears and said, oh my gosh, I've waited 10 years. She said, that's my daughter. And before my daughter crossed, we made a pact that if anything ever happened to either one of us, what would our sign be? And my daughter said, I will move a toothbrush. She said, for 10 years, I've had a toothbrush sitting on my counter in my kitchen. And I tell my family, don't touch that toothbrush. Don't touch that toothbrush. She said, that toothbrush has never moved. And I said, well, there you got your toothbrush. And it's those things that you know absolutely, without a doubt, that you are communicating with your loved ones. I mean, how could you know that? How could I know that? How could you possibly know that? And how could I know that? And I'm getting also that you also communicate with deceased animals, right? Absolutely, absolutely. My very own dog, Clyde, who was a rescue dog, was on my pillow two days after he crossed. And I'll tell you what, there's just nothing like knowing that we really merely leave our bodies. My husband and I recently had to had to put down one of our rescue boxers. And she was my husband's love, little Lexi. She had a massive brain tumor. And she very quickly, very suddenly became very ill and, and they couldn't stop her seizures. And He's been in such grief, and I have to tell you that for the first time, as dearly as I love her, it was as if I just saw her walk out of this broken body. And, and it, it, I know she's okay. I know she's fine. I know she still exists. 
And I know she's still with me. But your husband is still grieving her. He is. And even though he has this miracle that he lives with, <laughs> with his wife, he still needs his process, he I is, guess. And that's interesting because I, too, I will tell you, I, too, have waves of grief over my children. I am a mother. I'm in a human body. I still have days where I think, all of this is baloney. None of this is real. And I cry for three hours. And yet then some miracle comes to me. And I remember all of the miracles I've seen. And I think I am not that good to make this up. This is real. It's amazing to me. And I know also that you um, share you speak beautifully, and, I'm, and I know that you, you. you give public events, and you talk about grief in the afterlife during your public events. Is there any wisdom that you'd like to share with us that you share with others about grief in the afterlife? You know, grief is, it's all-encompassing. It's natural. We think, grief, we think grief is wrong. However, grief is just like being hungry, lonely, angry, or tired. Grief is going to come when we feel that physical separation. And what I shared yesterday with my parents in my gallery reading, I was very nervous, so I went through some notes through the years. I was drawn to that by the kids. And I read a note that I made that came from meditation quite some time ago. It said that I now know my children are stardust. They're beautiful stardust. And yet it is when I realized that I too am stardust that I was truly able to meet them and be with them for infinity. I'm merely having my own experience right now. And they are right here with me. I truly believe that science within maybe not my lifetime, but just like the Jetsons and the TV screen that used to pop out, and now here we are all on Zoom, I truly believe that within just a matter of years, we are going to be able to see our loved ones. It's just a matter Aren't of time. People even, isn't there a project with like a cell phone and things going on that they're, there they is, feel that people there is, but you know that's so interesting because I know there's a cell phone project and yet at the same time I'm thinking we need no device. We don't need a device. All we need is our clear audience. All we need is to be able to tap in to what the ancients have. We're on native land right now. The natives knew this. The natives have the symbol of the healing in the palm of their hands, which I was shown in a meditation. I was able to see through and see the blood flowing through our hands. And even if you go back into religion and the laying on of hands and the power of hands, it's the energy, it's our life force. And we have a life force whether we're in a body or outside of a body because our life force is vibration. Our life force is who we are. It's magnificent. And people, many people are able to see that life force. Absolutely. And identify us for it. Absolutely. So it's, so wonderful. Now you're doing gallery readings for helping I parents am heal. Tonight I'm very much looking forward oh to it. Oh my gosh. And you do privates. Would you explain to everyone what's the difference for people saying gallery reading? Is it an art show? A gallery <laughs> reading. A gallery reading is from the word gallery that was coined in the eighteen hundreds when you would literally go into a gallery setting and it's basically a stage. You have the stage and then the gallery. So it's more of an antiquated term. However, it's stuck. It's 
it's the same as called demonstrations. They would call them demonstrations of mediumship. It's basically public readings. A, a medium will be on a stage or walk through the audience and give public readings to random individuals depending on on whose loved ones come through. Everyone's loved ones are always with them. And yet, there's courtesy and compassion in the spirit world as well. Are so, you the noisiest, most boisterous personality? It's not necessarily the no noisiest. It's the one that they know that their loved one's heart needs to be touched the most. And a lot of times I've realized that just as if we were to go to a party in a room full of people, our loved ones are there when we gather. And if, for, per se, you and I start talking about quilting and oh my gosh I love quilting what quilt store do you like what patterns do you like did your grandmother quilt so a message will come through uh, for a granddaughter whose grandmother made quilts that will resonate with many other people because of a similar quilt or something like that because their loved ones are together and so they're kind they'll of say, teaming together and they'll say you be our spokesperson and then we can touch all these hearts the message for the individual is uniquely for that individual and yet at the same time they're able to be able to touch just a wide array of hearts. A private reading, more personal information will come through because it's one-on-one. -on -one. For example, my son will tell me things, both of my sons will tell me things in private that they wouldn't tell me in public. Just as in life, it's no different than in life. If you want to talk about, you know, you know, I'm really struggling, mom, with with my math teacher. I'm just having a hard time relating to my math teacher. That's going to be something that would come through in a private reading just as it would be a private situation. My son's not going to stand up in the middle of Safeway and grab the microphone and say, register three, I'm having a problem with my math teacher. So this is the kind of, this is the difference between the two. So a gallery reading is nothing more than a public demonstration. Not everyone gets a reading, but everyone will be touched. And a lot of people can relate to what's coming exactly. through. And it opens a door. Exactly. It the seats. Exactly. Now, what is the difference in information that you transmit? I know you're a psychic also. Indeed. So uh, please explain. Someone wants to get a hold of you. Okay. And you do both psychic information and mediumship information together, or do you separate them out? And what is the difference? Because the psychic gets different information than a medium. Psychics read your aura, read your soul, my soul to your soul. So a psychic, I can look at you, I can find out how I feel about it. What I would do is I would go into your past so that I can validate what has happened in your past so that I can see what could be a possible roadmap for things that may be in your future, knowing that you have all responsibility for your own soul. And I always tell all my clients, don't let me or anyone else tell you anything that doesn't resonate with your own soul because our own souls know. But it will help provide 
guidance. For example, if you think you look really good in the red dress, but you just don't know, you come to, to someone who's a fashionista and says, you do look beautiful in that red dress. In the same way, if you're going to take a new job and you go to see a psychic and you think, I'm not feeling real comfortable about this job, merely the psychic is just going to help explore what they see in your own soul. Mediumship is speaking with real people who have crossed. Psychic would be if you were to have a reading and your guides would, were to come through or your archangels were to so come through. So people would come to you for career advice or for love life advice, advice, love and all of that. Yes, exactly. And like if that. a deceased loved one comes through too, bonus. Absolutely. And in my readings, I'm open to psychic or mediumship. So I do both. And of course, that's up to the client to give permission for whichever right. one. And private mentorship. Tell us about that. Private mentorship. Mostly I do that with uh, parents whose children have transcended because I'm also a, an affiliate leader for two groups, as you mentioned, in helping parents heal. And also a caring listener. So there are times where people say, I really want to learn more, I really need to learn more, and want to get together on a one-on-one -on -one setting, and, and we set times, and we, it has nothing to do with my affiliate groups or my caring listener, but, but through that, it comes out that they really do want to learn more. And to be learn honest with you- Learn more is they want to learn more learn about how to connect because, with their children? Yes, because all mediumship is for is to prove there is no death. We all have these senses. So we can all connect with our children, not to the level of a professional medium, because I've worked very hard to get to, I've worked, I've studied, I've, I've, I've spent countless amount of time really honing this ability to connect. And at the same time, it no more means that you can't connect yourself. It's just a validation. Um, it's, it's the same as being a track star. We can all run, but you have to have dedication and you have to have talent. You have to have God-given physique to be able to go and, and stand on the podium for, with a gold medal. Wow, that's so interesting. And you have a personal transformation towards a joy-filled life, and goodness gracious, from what you came from and what you've been through. Would you like to share that with us? And do you have a tip for finding joy in life? Because you found it. You know, I have to say, accepting my grief was the door that opened me to the joy. Because so you would say acceptance. It's like a magic word. Acceptance. For that. Although acceptance is the one word I would never do. People would tell me I had to accept that my children were dead, and I refused to accept that. In fact, when the very first time I meditated, the first thing I saw was an onk, which means everlasting life. And I learned that my refusal to accept they were dead was the truest thing I ever could have done because they are not dead. Accepting that I need to learn how to be in this new relationship. And my children are so close to me, so with me right now. I tell the story about the shoe. My, 
I pulled into the garage about four years ago, and there was a box of old shoes, Vans, Vans tennis shoes, worn size 11, and I just lost it. I grabbed one they of those Anthony's? shoes. They were Anthony's. I grabbed one of those shoes. I stuck my face in it. I fell into a fetal position. I rocked, and I ugly cried on my garage floor, missing my son so deeply. Knowing that I speak with him, I see him, I see other children, the grief still comes. So as I'm rocking on the floor, sobbing into this sweaty old shoe, I realized, wait a minute, I never took his shoes out of his closet. And then I had a memory of my stepson, Cody, bringing a box of shoes to me to take to Goodwill before he went to the Navy. And I went, oh, gross, because they were Cody's shoes. And here I'm sucking the sweat out of Cody's shoes. And I went immediately at that time, Anthony appeared to me and he looked down at me and said, mom, you're pathetic. <laughs> and I went from fetal position, ugly cry to rocking, laughing so hard, the tears went to laughter tears. And that is exactly my ride in life right now. I was literally just in there crying, watching watching Dr. O'Driscoll and Jeff Olson speak because they're so moving and so touching. And I'm still in this body. I still get to experience these emotions. And yet at the same time, I can stand up and I can say, thank you for bringing me here to this beautiful place. Thank you for introducing me to your beautiful soul and your beautiful work and your amazing audience. And with every viewer you get, you are awakening hearts and minds and souls. And that's what we're all here for. We're here for love. That's right. And to make a difference and tell pe and show people that they can heal, they can move on. And boy, are you a role model for oh. that. You know, Lisa, it is so true that love never dies. Absolutely. And neither do we. You are a blessing. You bring incredible solace and hope to those grappling with profound grief. And you connect with their loved ones in spirit. While at the same time, you role model that it is possible to turn unthinkable loss into a new beginning, which is basically what grief and rebirth is all about. We're perfectly synced in this mission it's it so is. wonderful it is it's so wonderful thank you from my heart for thank this wonderful for wonderful interview and for all the help you do for helping parents heal for helping people who are grieving for such an illuminating inspiring interview oh thank, thank you, you so Ivy. much from my heart thank you so much thank you so much and thank you to your wonderful audience thank you have a great day thank you thank you I love you. <laughs> Thank you.